Hello there and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Jamie Hampton and joining me today is award-winning Webby-nominated author, Boomi Laddyton. Today we're going to talk about her new book, Dear God, Honest Prayers to a God Who Listens. And I can't wait. I love this book. Thank you so much for being on the show, Boomi. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Jamie. Well, before we get into your book and just our conversation, we like to ask all of our guests, what is your favorite prayer closet? Where do you like to go to feel close to God? I like to go on walks. Um, I have, I have a dog and, and she needs to be walked. She needs to be walked a few, a few times a day. She has a ton of energy. Um, so my favorite place to pray is just while I'm walking her. Um, but I also like to pray in bed, um, just when I first wake up and then when I go to sleep, those last two prayers really kind of help me face the day and then um, remind me of all the things that I've gotten through during the day. But I, I really think, the, but the walks feel especially special. I don't feel alone on my walks. I love that. And are you in Canada? I am. I'm in Quebec, nice. French Canada. Yes. I'm in Alaska. So we have wow. sim- similar climates, right? Probably. Yes. Well, in the winter, definitely. Yeah. Yes. We've been doing a lot of winter walks this year and just, it's been really nice. I've, I've never before appreciated as much how, how beautiful it is just walking in the winter and how quiet it is when it's snowing yes. or when there's snow on the ground. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it because they say like the s- snow um, absorbs sound. I guess it's why it feels so quiet and oh, there's nothing like whether it's freshly fallen snow or there's just snow all around and you're walking and it's, it's like almost nice, like that sunset kind of dark time. And it almost feels like you're the only person in the world. It does. And I love it. Are you, so where you are, do you see a lot of, you see the day and night um, extremes in summer and winter? Yeah. So it gets really hot in the summer. So it gets hot in the summer and then, and then it can get pretty cold in the, in the winter. Yeah. And are, is your day length, um, ah, pretty short in the winter also? Yes. Like ours is, yes. I figured yeah, the day, it feels like it's midnight at around four 30. Yeah, it <laughs> so. does. It does. But it's so beautiful when you have a clear day and you have the, I mean, the sunsets and the sunrises are so pink and like, yes. Yeah. I love it. Orange and just, they're beautiful. I know they're gorgeous. I just mm-hmm. stare at them. You think we get tired of sunsets and sunrises, but I never get tired of them. I'm like, wow, that is so beautiful. It is. I love it. We try to time our walks. The kids kept saying, let's go like right at three 30 when the sun is setting so that we can catch it when it's the prettiest because it really, yes. It's, yeah, it's nice, but we're getting days are getting longer. Now we're in the home stretch. <laughs> okay. Yes. I, I didn't, I don't, I, are they getting longer again? Well, I haven't even the, noticed. Yeah. The solstice was, I guess, a couple of weeks ago, maybe. Oh, that's true. And so that, I think that's the turning point where they start to get longer again. It's not oh, noticeable yet, but it's kind of, it's coming. <laughs> every, every winter, I just tell myself it's going to be winter forever. I'm like, this is how we live now. This mm-hmm. is, this is it. There will be, and then every spring, I'm like, oh, wait, is it melting? <laughs> I know it's crazy. It is. Do you feel that, um, so you seem to like the winter though. Are you, or do you, do you feel the effects of the darkness in the winter or do you kind of find yourself enjoying the quiet I love, and cozy? Oh, I love it. I love how it's quiet and cozy. I love how there's no pressure to, to do outdoor things, yes. you know? 
you know the summer you feel like you're wasting the day if you don't right. go oh. to the community pool and eat, go and, and, and bike you feel like oh I wasted this this beautiful day but in the winter it's perfectly it's perfectly you know normal to just stay in your sweatpants all day no one no one's gonna judge you if you just want sweatpants and, and tea <laughs> That is such a good point because I do feel like the the summer is fleeting enough and people yes. around here take it really seriously. And of when course. we first moved here, I was just like, man, these people are serious about their, their summer. And now I see why, because it feels like it just goes by so quickly because it's, you know, it is fleeting, but it is yeah. fleeting. And then fall feels like it lasts five minutes and it's so beautiful and perfect. <laughs> I know I do. I, I miss long, lengthy falls, but this year we had a Me good too. one. So I didn't feel quite so gypped. Good. <laughs> well, I want to talk about um, first your spiritual background, because just reading yes. your book, you have a very unique and rich spiritual background. So can you tell us about just kind of in a nutshell, we'll get into more of the details, but just your faith journey and how you came to know Jesus. Yeah, so I grew up in in a really religious Christian home and never, I don't know what the reason was. I think it was probably because there was a lot of turmoil and struggle in the home too, um, just with poverty and my parents coming from Nigeria and and struggling. So um, nothing resonated really. I, 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 I don't know. It felt cultural I guess more of like a cultural um Mm. than anything else I didn't really understand anything about Jesus or or even God it felt very it felt like stories about um maybe mythology if I had to you Mm. know make it make sense it didn't feel like anything that impacted my life even even up to, to teenage years it just felt like something that we do um, and something we d- I did not to get in trouble too. Um, and so I left home really early around 16 and, um, just kind of was in a, in survival mode, I guess, and learning how to live, how I was going to live as a human being. And, um, I ended up marrying my high school boyfriend who is Jewish, um, when I was around 2021. 20, and so his family didn't pressure me or anything, but, um, I just began studying Judaism, um, even a little bit before we even got married or actually wait a lot before we got married. I started studying it in college and, I just felt like I was coming home. I felt like I understood this faith. Oh, I get this faith is about a people who struggle, a people who almost can't get rest anywhere. Um, mm. And the struggle isn't just in life, but it's, it's with God too. Um, it's a story about a people and their constant redemption, constant going away and coming back and going, going, come, but remaining faithful in and they know who their God is and and their identity is is within God and as I began studying and studying I was like this feels like home and um, I ended up taking conversion classes you take courses and you study with someone Um, uh, my father-in-law at the time he he kind of 
partnered with me to, to have a conversion coach and she coached me and I learned and then I went to the family synagogue and I did the the mikvah which is the, the ceremonial kind of a bath almost like a baptism that you do before it's a ceremony bath and then um, had the Torah service and then practiced Judaism for for years and years and and with the kids and everything um, and then after we broke up it kind of became like I just once again it was it was the re- the the religion was cultural again I didn't have a relationship with God or anything it was just it was mostly cultural and I and yes that's it was mostly cultural and so when the marriage ended it felt like oh well you know, I'm just going to do what I want. I'm, I was pleased, you know, I, I'm just going to just study everything. And I did, I studied everything, immersed myself in everything. Um, paganism, I went in every which direction, every, I mean, I must've studied and kind of enveloped myself in every single faith. I just was searching and searching and searching. And finally, uh, just in life, I just hit this place of realizing I couldn't do it by myself anymore. I couldn't do life. I couldn't, I, I almost, I hit this rock bottom place of realizing me trying to manage my life was a joke and it was just in shambles. And so I went to the synagogue that um, was in Montreal. It still, it still is in Montreal. It was Friday night, Shabbat night, and everyone had already gone home. Um, so I just went to the synagogue and went up to the Torah, Torah's first five books of, of the Bible, where they have like the big Torah scrolls. And I just cried out to God and said, okay, I, I, I just give my life to you. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I, if you hear me, I think that you hear me. I just need your help and I'll give my life to you. And so that became that. Well, the first thing after that, that happened after that was it took a while, but I felt like the, like I was being called um, by him. Like, I, I know you. Yes. You called. I felt like almost like in the far distance, I could hear my name, but it, it wasn't a name that I knew. I just knew he was calling me. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time I'd really kind of felt that. And he reminded me, I just would have these pictures in my mind of me um, at my conversion ceremony, being up next to the Torah and taking all of these vows that, okay, this God will be my God. These people will be my people. And he was reminding me saying, I was there. I saw that. <laughs> and I took that seriously. And I'm like, oh, because it, it never occurred to me, even though I was doing all of these things that had God's name, that these were promises I was making to him to promises to live this life. And, and to know that he was watching that and that meant something to him um, really just shook me awake. And so I began practicing Judaism again, but I still had this question of Jesus, of Yeshua Um, practicing Judaism was, was very, I mean, I never really stopped doing the practices. All my kids you know, they, they all, or they grew up, you know, Jewish and doing like the holidays and, and um, things like that. But me, myself, I, 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 I kind of checked out spiritually in a sense. And so I had this question about Jesus because, you know, the Christians say he's son of God, um, whatever that means and God at the same time. But, you know, Jewish people think, that he was, you know, a good Jewish boy who kind of, you know, did a little too much and his followers went insane. And 
um, Muslims believe that he was a prophet. And then people who don't believe in God say that he was just a good man. So I just, I knew at this point that God could hear me. So I, I asked him, I said, who, who is he? <laughs> you know, because I, I just want to know. I don't want to, you say you're not a God of confusion. So, so who, who is he? And not long after that, I cannot even tell you if it was minutes or days. It's just one of those things. I was out on my patio and I'm looking over the back garden area. So community, the community garden, it's just um, grass with all the children to play in. And there's a sliding door behind me and I just, it, it was still open. Um, not that I don't think it would have mattered, but I just felt this presence behind me. And I knew immediately that it was Jesus. And I knew that he was who he said he was. I knew it's like, and the presence was kind and it was, but a kindness I'd never felt before. This over, the, the definition of kindness and goodness, gentleness and power, all of that mixed together. I mean, his presence, like it just, even like trying to describe it, it's, it was like nothing I'd ever felt. And he doesn't have to say a word. His presence announces him. It's like, you just know when he's there, who he is, and there's no question. And it just felt like that. And I'm like, okay, okay. And I, I never turned around or anything. It was just, I, I knew this, that he was there. And so from then on, it became, okay, so Yeshua, Yeshua is, is the, the Hebrew name that we, that we use, but I'm not one of those people who say you have to use, it, it doesn't matter, you know? And, um, and I just knew. And then from then on, it became this, and now, you know, my, my, my children believe too. And I mean, that's not by my power. That's just the power of, of God and, and of Yeshua and, and the, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. Um, and then that's, that's where I've been now. And it's just been this journey of, of learning about him and his kindness and his goodness and what he did. And yes, that was a really long answer. That was a great answer. No, that's exactly. I love that. And um, so I have a, my first real exposure to Judaism would have probably been um, a Passover Seder that was very Christianized. It was in a Christian church and we administered it with our youth group. It was when I was a youth leader um, shortly after my husband and I got married and it was the most, I I will go so far as to say, well, I'll say one of the most powerful experiences Mm. of my, uh, of my Christian life, because I can't know, because I, I, I know it had Christian, it, it drew parallels between the Jewish Seder and what the prophecies pointed to in the new Testament. Yes. I'm assuming that all of those original old Testament scriptures were there in a Jewish Passover Seder minus the references to the new Testament, but looking at those parallels, I was just undone. I was like, I mean, how has, how has Judaism enriched your Christianity? I, well, and vice I, versa? I, 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 I mean, for me, they go together. I, yeah. You know, I, I live a very Jewish life and I'm, we have some friends, family friends who believe the same as we do and they're, they're Jewish and um, one of them, her, her grandparents were at the Holocaust and they came out of the synagogue and they, they came to believe that Yeshua was the Messiah and it's a hard thing because automatically you're kind, you're, you know, you're seen as having left Judaism, you know, right. oh, I left Judaism, but to us, it's not, 
leaving Judaism. Right. It's it's the fulfillment of it. It's it's we're we're still Jewish, but I know it's really hard because when I I know that it's very offensive to Jewish people. I know that, and um, so you know it is what it is. But for me now that when I read. Uh, we call the New Covenant, the New Testament, the the Brit Hadashah, and, um, and when I read that, and it, they go together perfectly to me, you know, and to you, um, and like the Passover Seder, when uh, the lamb, sh- the lamb shank, um, and just like the parallels, the blood over the door, um, I mean, they make perfect sense. And, and so when Yeshua said, I'm not here to, to cast away the law, but to fulfill it, it makes perfect sense. It mm-hmm. makes perfect sense because everything is fulfilled. And even reading the verse, you know, um, um, when I'm sorry, like sometimes I forget like the specifics of verses, but it was like the government will be upon his shoulder yeah. and he will be called wonderful counselor, son of God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And this is in, this is in Isaiah or, or Psalm two, when they're talking about, you know, he will, someone who will carry the sins of, of, of mankind. And it's like, it, in hindsight, it becomes so obvious who, mm. who these verses are about, because who else could they be about? Right. And there's another one in Zechariah saying he'll be born in Bethlehem. And it's just, you know, and so, I mean, the New Testament, the British has, has completely enhanced. It's fulfilled everything. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's made everything whole and complete, complete for us. And every holiday takes on, takes on um, special significance, even, even holidays like Hanukkah that aren't in the, aren't in the Tanakh they're not in the they're not in the Old Testament um but in Hanukkah the the middle light is called the Shamash and it's the light that lights all of the other lights and in my home we talk about how um we're called to be a light of the world you know and in a city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden so we're supposed to be a Shamash we're supposed to be a light um because we have the light of Yeshua in, or in us we have the light of Jesus in us and so the knowledge of Yeshua and what he's done, it, it impacts every single holiday and, and everything in Jewish life that we, that we do. <laughs> and it's wonderful. I love it. I'm, I, yes. I mean, I envy that understanding because I feel like there's so much that, that would be so many gaps that would be filled in. Not that the Christian faith doesn't encompass the old and the new Testament, but I just feel like there's, there's just, a real connectedness and, and enrichment that some of the, the observations of the Jewish faith can point forward in, in a way that, I don't know, I think as a Christian that's kind of grown up in the church, maybe take, I take for granted or would take for granted as just kind of what we believe because we believe it and not necessarily seeing this amazing miracle of, of prophetic fulfillment in the old to the new. So that's that's pretty amazing. Um, so, uh, do I, I love how, so how has your prayer life changed or evolved over the years, um, from that place of more like religious, Yes. Christianity to religious Judaism to maybe spiritual Judaism and then spiritual Christianity. What <laughs> has well, that looked different? It has. Um, well, early on in, in my home, I didn't have a prayer life. I didn't, I didn't pray. I actually, there was some, t- there was 
a couple of times that I can remember praying. Um, one time I was maybe around 12 and I was feeling super lonely in the house. And I just asked for God to send an angel to hug me. I remember praying that oh. once, um, but I didn't, I didn't pray very often. I didn't feel as if, you know, there was anyone there. I didn't see myself as, I didn't even consider the idea that there was a God who actually wanted to hear something or could do anything about um, my life or anything like that. Um, in Judaism, the prayers were, the prayers were the Hebrew prayers, like in, in the prayer book. So, you know, there's a the prayer for waking up. There's the Shema, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Um, there, 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 there are blessings for different, for different um, foods and eating. Um, like there's a bracha, a blessing for, for over wine. There's one over like bread. There's one over various types of food. Shechon yebivaro means different kinds of food. There's one for washing hands. You know, there, there, there are special blessings for things. Blessing for lighting Shabbat candles on Friday night. And I knew all of those. Um, but it wasn't, I wasn't having a conversation with God or anything like that. S- still, um, when I really began to pray was, um, when I, when I returned to Judaism and then even more when Yeshua revealed himself to me as, as the Mashiach, as the Messiah, that's when I really began to have a prayer life. And I understood, okay, I can approach God, this, the Holy God, because even though I'm a sinful person and, you know, I, I'm, I'm sinful. I can, I can approach the most holy, the most high, because there has been a sacrifice, um, mm-hmm that makes it acceptable. I understand this and he loves me. And, and that would, and Yeshua died because he loves, he loves us and out of obedience to God, he loves. So prayer changed dramatically because all of a sudden God went from being this maybe even scary figure um, in Christianity um, to uh, a remote figure and maybe a relic in my experience with Judaism, almost like a relic. He was someone that, that Moses and Abraham talked to, Mm. um, to all of a sudden he's my Abba, you know, he's my father. (laughs) He's my, um, and Abba, you know, when, when Yeshua was on the cross and he said, father, father, he used the word Abba, which it really is kind of close to dad or daddy almost. Um, and it's his dad. And that's what I call him. I call him my Abba because I feel like I can talk to him about anything. And I do. I am very just, I'm having a rough day. Everything's terrible. <laughs> like, you know, where are you? <laughs> and, and I love being so close to him and I feel him so closely. Well, I just, your book displays that beautifully, just this collection of prayers. Now, um, did this collection come from your journals? Did you write them specifically for this book, like recounting how you felt before? Or did you, are these actual prayers along the way that you've prayed in your faith journey? Yeah. So um, they started, they started when I first began to believe in Jesus and they're in my journal. And I do the, the, it's such a strange thing about this book because I had never planned to write a book like this ever, 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 ever. I was just writing my journal. I was writing like letters to God, you know, and um, I love to journal. I love journals in general. I have way too many. Um, and I was just writing these. And and then it was actually my agent who suggested because I had written some things on Twitter about about God. And she said, well, why don't you write this, this book? And I'm like, 
uh, was first suggested a devotional and I said I could never do a devotional I'm like the most brand new person ever I can't teach anybody anything I'm learning and then she and then I told her well I have this this you know this thing of prayers but they're so personal I could never you know share them. and then I just felt like it was exactly what I was supposed to do and it's one of those things when when God saves your life when he brings you out of just destruction that you've made for yourself. How can you say no? You know, I felt like this was really what I was supposed to do. And he kind of put this picture of my mind of, of just one person who felt like how I used to feel so alone, not knowing there was a God who loved them at all. And just feeling so alone in this world, just not wanting to even be here and thinking like, okay, if one person can read this and know that there's a God who loves them and is real and cares about them, then it will be worth it to be, kind of uncomfortable with with sharing something that I'm you know I get nervous about sharing personal things and that's what came about yeah I mean because they are they're deeply personal and yes you know you you reveal all kinds of things in there about the struggles that you've had but what a what a gift to know because I mean I'm sure that at the time of this recording the book has not come out when we when, when this goes live, it will have come out already. And by that time, I know that you will already have heard just amazing responses from lives that are changed by being able to relate to this. So for, for those who have not read it yet, it's dear God, honest prayers to a God who listens. And it is just one prayer after the other, just written. Do you mind if I share one of my favorites? So let's see. Okay. So this is, this is my favorite. No, I'm not going to say that because I have so many favorites in here, but this is one of my favorite ones. And I feel like this is so applicable to this time in history, particularly here in the United States, when we just have, we, at the time of the recording, we just had um, election certification that went crazy and we've had political unrest. We've had social unrest. We've had racial tension. We've just had Um, COVID tension, everything in the world has been in a state of upheaval. And I just, I know that God is in it. And, And when I read this, this is just such a beautiful prayer. So this is on page 84 of the book. And you say, dear God, hope is a funny thing. Just when you think it'll be winter forever, the snow begins to melt and ice cold rivulets of fresh water trickle down the paths formed by salty tears icicles crack and groan before tumbling to the ground and somewhere in the center of a white frost covered meadow a single green baby sapling rises and I just love that picture of hope and just it's spoken so beautifully but just throughout the book you have it's like you know some of these really hope-filled prayers but then you have some really raw emotional like yelling at God prayers. And I, I just love the picture. So can you talk about that kind of honesty? Have you always had that kind of honesty with God? Or is that something that's you developed over time? Or I don't know what, how do you feel about that? Well, it's, I haven't always had the honesty with God, because I, I didn't think that there was a God to talk to. Right. Um, and in the beginning, it all felt so new. I didn't know. I I, it, I didn't know. I don't, I don't know. I think it really took um, feeling the kindness of, of Jesus and knowing 
with that kindness that there was no condemnation there. And also it, it came out of really just gratitude and because he saved me, he really saved me. I was just so very lost, so lost and so broken. And he saved me from that and brought me out of that. And the fact that he did that, one, he'd seen me at what I hope is my worst. Um, And if he was able to see me there and see something worth saving, It almost feels like me with my kids, you know, how they're not afraid of how they look in front of me. Um, They're not afraid to just be messy, you know, and because they know I love them. Um, And I feel almost the same way with him. I I know now that he, he loves me. I don't understand how, you know, I've just gone so many directions and I, and, but yet he still loves me. And I think it came out out of that, just him finding me in such a terrible, terrible place and, and, and saving me. And then knowing of knowing his love and feeling the pure love that comes out of Yeshua. And I know that comes out of him too, that I don't know any other way to be with him other than just really messy and raw and honest because he knows, he knows everything inside of me and, and he accepts me and so of course I I'm I know that he is holy and sometimes I say I'm sorry if I'm going too far I'm sorry for being ungrateful or I'm I'm, I'm sorry because you know I know in heaven that like, you'll just be overwhelmed with his splendor and and I read these verses where where people are just overwhelmed with the splendor and and I am too but he's also my Abba he's also my father I'm I'm his baby so it's so yes I I kind of walk that line I think well and I mean. Like, is there a line? And that's a question. Maybe there, I'm sure there's a line that, that goes into, you know, blasphemy and, and being disrespectful, but I feel like as Christians, we tend to probably err on the wrong side of that. And we err on the side of whitewashing our prayers, you know, putting on the mask and, and not being honest. And what I love about your book is that it gives permission to pray those prayers. And as I read some of your prayers, it was like, and I know many people will feel this way that it's putting just so eloquently and, and poetically and beautifully into words, the things we're feeling inside anyway. And, and I think that is one of the gifts of this book is not just that we get to read your prayers, but that we can pray it, it unlocks something. I think at least for me, it really unlocked something for me to be able to be more honest and more, um, genuine with God in a way that maybe I couldn't have formulated myself. So I love it. Thank you. I think that he wants that honestly, because imagine with our kids, you know, if, if, if they're going through something super awful and they came to us and, they told us a little bit about it, but they tried to, you know, use their special flowery language and, and really like, oh, well, you know, I, I, I know that this is all under control, but I just, I just wanted to make you aware of, you know, but inside they're just shredded. Yes. We would want them to come to us and be like, I am just, I don't need, I, you know, we would want them to come and tell us the whole truth and to trust us enough to just 
fall apart in front of, you know, our kids, they, we, if they fell apart in front of us from, from stress or, or anything, we wouldn't push them away. We would, we would have them come, come close. And I think um, part of that, I think that's what kind of Yeshua, what Jesus was talking about when he said, um, come to, you know, when the, when the, when the, kids were coming to him the disciples were like hey you know little, little you're messy go away to the kids your fingers are sticky I'm sure their fingers were sticky kids fingers are always sticky and you know their feet were probably dirty but they just were drawn to Yeshua because of who he was and when it said like the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as theirs and and you could though they can come and I think we're allowed to come to God as just messy children in and however we are because because we are. And, and sometimes I think like, what does it mean to respect God? I think about that. And the answer I always feel to like show him respect is to, to do his will as much as we can, not so much in, in talking to him in a fancy way. I mean, that is important. We do have to kind of like, I don't know, but mostly because like when Yeshua said, if you love me, feed my sheep, you know, if you love me, take care of each other. And I think that shows him the highest respect, those things. But coming to him, I think, I mean, because he knows, he knows we're, we're never fooling him. So we might as well just tell him the whole truth. So I wanted to ask you if, and this is putting you on the spot, because I didn't ask you this ahead of time. So you may not even have it available, but do you have a favorite prayer from the book or a favorite time of prayers or topic from your book? I do. I, I don't have it in front of me, but um, so I was writing this book as it was happening because only the first few prayers were in the journal. Only maybe five or three of them that ended up in there were in the journal. And then I was writing them as life was unfolding. Right. Um, and even when I write ones of, of praise, it, that was like my first experience with praise. And it was so intense. I used to see people, um, you know, Christians listening to worship music or in a worship service and they would raise their hands and, and I wouldn't understand why they were doing that. And I'm like, what are they feeling? What is that? And it'd be almost this embarrassment. And then I had my first experience with that. Um, oh, I was just, it was at night. I was in my bedroom, the kids were asleep and I was listening to this worship music on YouTube on my computer. And I just was feeling it. And I just felt like, now I know that it's called like the, the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh. I felt it moving in me and I felt, and my mind was recalling so much that God has done for me. The thankfulness was just, um, I listened to worship music. I want to say for like three hours straight at night from maybe 9 PM to midnight. <laughs> I'd never had an experience like this. I didn't get tired. At one point my hands were raised up and they weren't tired. And I had never had that experience before. And I wrote about it. I wrote about just this praise to God and just like, and that rapturous experience. Mm -hmm. And, and then I, and then um, another section was when I was, when God was teaching me about forgiveness and um, because I'm sure many people have gone through things where they've experienced not just pain, but pain at the hands of religious people, which is a special different kind of pain because oh, yes. just when you mix, you know, your spirituality, your religion with, and someone in that context hurts you in an authority position too. It just, it cuts you in a different way. Um, and it well, can and affect your relationship with abuse. Sorry? You know, that's the type of abuse I would say, you know, it, like it is spiritual abuse. Yeah. It is. And, and it can so impact your relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And 
Oh, that's why I just understand why Jesus was saying, you know, if you have a problem with your brother, leave it before your sacrifice and go because unforgiveness in your heart, it, it blocks things. It, it, it's like a wound that I don't even, I can't, I don't know what it does like with in spiritualized what that looks like looks like but i know it is intense and god was kind of leading me and prodding me to to forgive situations and, and people and it was so difficult i got to the point where i i told him i can't i i you know i can't forgive and he would he would just make me feel as if like i know you can't you need me to so i was asking okay tell me how to forgive and i was writing these these prayers well tell me how to forgive. And then one day I would feel like, okay, I forgave. And then the next day it would come back again. And, and I said, I thought I forgave this. He's like, no, you do it again. You do it again. Each time this come, forgiveness isn't, isn't always just a one-time thing. And so I, as I'm learning, as God is, is teaching me, as the, as the Holy Spirit, the comforter was teaching me, I was writing these prayers and it was happening in real time. And it was rough because some, you know, when you're writing a book, they say, okay, you need these amount of words. And, and I'm just like, well, nothing has happened. <laughs> so nothing, nothing has happened, but sometimes I wouldn't be ready to write about it. So it was happening and I was writing and it was such an intense experience. I told God, I'm like, you know, this feels, maybe this could be my last book ever <laughs> because oh. it was just so intense. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine, especially for something this personal where it's, it's not something that you generate. It's not like you're generating a plot or no. you're you know, teaching someone something and you're just coming up with the, I mean, this is, it's happening in real time. These are your emotions. These are your words to God. Yeah. You can't really rush something like that. No, you can't. It happens in its own time. And, and he knew, you know, he knew about, about the book and everything. And he, and he brought it together. He brought it together and, you know, he did it. He did it. I, this is, it's, it's him. It's just him. And, and, him just helping me along with it because there was, there was um, two times where I quit. I, I decided that I could not write this book. And I, I even, I emailed uh, my publisher and, and my, my agent, I said, you know, I just, I can't do it. I can't write this. There were two separate times. And she told me, I know <laughs> this is the thing God put it. He even put the right people um the right at the right agent the right editor and and everything together because she said you know if you really feel like you can't do it, you can't do it but um i believe in you and I, I believe in this book and she would just say the right things not not cajoling me nothing like that mm-hmm. not just just what i needed to hear to keep going and then there was this other time where i said you know i tried and she's like you know if that's okay but you know don't worry so about, about word, about word count and everything. You're doing great. What you, she would just say the right things in, in that moment, God was just there. He was helping. I tried to get out of it. Oh, I really, I really tried. I'm a quitter. (laughs) I I love to quit things. Oh, it's the best feeling in the world to just walk away when something's hard, (laughs) but you know, well, I'm so glad that you didn't. I'm so glad that God held this out as as something to be finished because it's beautiful. And I can't Thank wait you. for our listeners to read it. And uh, well, that's a good segue into where can listeners find your book and find you online and on social um, you, media? 
Yeah, so uh, um, the book can be found on um, Amazon and like walmart.com, target.com, I believe, like Barnes and Nobles, anywhere you buy books online, most places you buy books online, um, it'll be in in stores, even though I guess no one's really going to stores these days. It depends where you live if you're allowed. Um, I'm online at, um, I'm most active on Facebook at facebook.com slash boomikladitan, which is B-U-N-M-I-K-L-A-D-I-T-A-N. Okay. Um, and then I have an Instagram too, and I cross post things there. And the Instagram is called Honest Toddler because that's how I used to the character I used to write. Yes, which that's that's a whole other story. I love that. <laughs> and you know what's funny though, and is that you know you wrote from the perspective of this honest toddler, but your the prayers are these you know beautiful adult words to childlike. Um, honest prayers and they're not childlike prayers because they deal with big things, but it's like, I don't know. I just thought that was a neat connection. I don't know if you intended that or not, but just the honesty with these prayers and the, you know, they just come from a place of just total connection and and abandonment with God. So I think that's very cool. Thank you. And I love that you said that because it's actually so funny when I was writing on his toddler on Twitter. um, One thing that I would think about, a lot was that in writing as a child and talking to like the character with with the child and the mom um that I'm angry at you but I need you and that you're disappointing me you're making me so mad don't ever let me go I need to be in your lap always reminded me (laughs) of like how I would wish to kind of feel with God. Wow. Um, oh, I didn't that even... security, wow. but that just it's like stomping tantrum too. Cause that's exactly how toddlers are. They're angry. They want to hit you. They want what they want now. And I am yeah. so like that with God. Like he knows I'm just like, God, I need this immediately or I will actually die. Like I will die. You know? like, yeah. I need this. And then when he gives me something, I'm like, no, I wanted that, but not like that, you know, just like a toddler. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I said I, I wanted crackers, not... but on the blue plate, right. not I the not red want... plate. I didn't want and it was so funny touching because... the carrots. <laughs> it, it, yes. And, and because the other day it was funny, I was, I was asking God for help with something and I, he, he gave it to me, but it wasn't in the way I thought he was going to give it to me. And I did throw a toddler tantrum. I was like, that's not the way I thought it was going to happen. And I'm uncomfortable and no, I can't accept it. No, no, no. And I was praying <laughs> And he's, he's just like, are you, are you done? You know, <laughs> just like a toddler. So the parallel I'm, is absolutely 110% there. It's so like, it's so wild. That is neat. Well, we'll look forward to reading about those prayers in your next book. Thank prayers. you. <laughs> in my next book. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and I yeah. love your, your dedication is to the God who sees me. And is that, is that a reference to Hagar? Yes. Yes. How do you say that? El Roy? El Roy, yes. What was it? El Roy or El El Roy? Roy. I've heard it like a couple of different ways, but yes, it is because um, I just love that story so, so much. You know, she just, she, I mean, none of this is her fault. You know, none of this is her fault. People are making decisions for her and doing things for her. And then she's being, she's being like, put in this really difficult situation and her child is about to die before her eyes and God sees her and 
And I believe they, they talk about the angel of the Lord. There are a lot of different people who have different theories on who was there. I think it was Yeshua. I think it was Jesus. I don't know. Maybe it was just an angel. I don't know. But it's just so the fact that God just cares his, his standard for who is important is so different from the world. The world, you're important if you have money. You're important if you have status, if you, have, if you look good, if you this, this, this. But God just, he sees the people that, is, that are invisible to everyone. And who people, he sees the people that people throw away. Mm-hmm. And I love that so much. I love that about him. I love that about him so, so much. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's where our hope is, is that no matter what... Yes that, that he's the God who sees, he sees, yes. he sees the world. He sees the pain yes. acting out or through the, the whatever, you know, and yeah. It's, yeah. Well, he sees it, all of it. Well, thank you so much for being here. I, this oh. was, this was great. And I love your book and I loved talking with you. How can we pray for you? I'm going to close in. Oh, prayer. Thank you. Pray for me. Oh, I'm just going to be honest with you because I, I think it takes too much energy to do anything else. I don't have this kind of reserve. So I think um, for courage, for courage and for um, the courage to, to obey God when he tells me to do things. Mm. So lately, I've just been, I've been kind of letting fear um, play too big of a role in my life. I think so just it's a courage. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again. I will. Yeah, let's pray. God, we just come before you grateful and thankful for this time together and just this time to remember who you are and who we are in your eyes, to remember that you are the God who sees. You see everything. There's nothing that we can hide from you. Lord, we just pray that you would help us to be mindful of that, that we wouldn't be afraid to bear our souls to you, that we wouldn't be afraid to tear down the walls and take off the masks that stand between us and an authentic conversation with you, God. I just thank you for Boomi and for her book that is kind of a, I don't know, a vessel that makes that possible or more possible. And I just lift this book up to you, God. We just thank you for the anointing that you've placed on it and on her, just for her words and for the gifting of, of language and the written word that you've given her. And we just pray that it would do amazing things that it would, that you would open doors for this book and for Boonmi and her words to reach more people than she could have ever dreamed or imagined. We pray that salvations would come, that people would meet Yeshua through this, that Jesus would be made known and would be plain on the page And um, we pray that those who feel hopeless and helpless would find a lifeline in you and a connection. And we just pray that those that are struggling with despair or feeling unloved would find you in the middle of these words. And uh, that anyone listening today that doesn't know where to start would, would just find you today, God, in Jesus' powerful name. I lift Bumi up to you, God, and just pray for that courage. God, where you have called her, you've already equipped her. I just pray against the enemy's attempts to speak lies into her life. I pray you would silence him. I pray that she would hear your voice, that she would stand on truth and know who she is and whose she is without a shadow of a doubt, God. 
and that you would help her just through pushing through some of her fears, God, that you would show her how courageous she really is and how much power is, is made perfect, even in the weaknesses, even in the things where she thinks she's ill-equipped, even in the places where she doesn't feel like she has what it takes, that you would show her that your grace is sufficient, your power is made perfect in weakness, and that she would move forward in just amazing ways. God, I just, I thank you for the incredible person that she is, for her gifts, for her talents, just for her light, for her spirit. You've just blessed so many people through her. Continue to do so, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.